0: Merry Christmas. All right. Good to see you guys here. How's everybody? Good. Are you having a great Christmas? All right. Praise God. You know, I um, I didn't know this, but apparently some churches closed their doors for Christmas. That's what I heard. I, I don't know. Yeah, they said it was Christmas, so we are going to uh, close our doors uh, so you can stay home and uh, eat tamales or whatever it is you do. Um, and... Um, they had services yesterday. Yeah, I know, mijo, you're right. That's what I said. What? <laughs> uh, tamales, yeah, we got tamales. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't know. And and I, I heard that, and, and I started to see ads on Facebook. We're open on Christmas. We're, we're going to worship on Christmas. And I'm thinking, I mean, why wouldn't we? Well, I, I guess some of the people didn't get the message. But uh, we didn't say we were going to, we weren't one of those, were we? We didn't say that. We said we were going to be here. Okay. Okay. So I don't know what happened here. But anyways, maybe they're still on their way. But um, December 25th, I know we have put that almost as an idol, as a worship day, a day of worship to the point where there are churches that are closing down because, uh, well, you know, we, we need to celebrate that day. You know, I spent a lot of money. I made a lot of food. People are here from out of town. Um, it is just, uh, you know, it's the Christmas spirit. And what begs the difference? What is the Christmas spirit? What is that? You know, uh, I was at Costco on Friday, and it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I, I went in there to buy some, you know, some things and some coffee and uh, just some last minute things for baskets and whatnot. And I, so I go up to the counter, right? And the guy says, hey, where's your Christmas spirit? My Christmas spirit? Yeah. You know, you don't have any alcohol. You don't have any, you know, I go, oh, no, no, no. And I picked up the coffee. This is my drug of choice. you know. <laughs> caffeine, that's all I, that's as far as I go. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. You know, people are buying all kinds. Of, and I'd look back and I can see gallons in carts trying to get into the Christmas spirit. You know, for some, the Christmas spirit is doing something good. You know, going out and feeling good about, you know, who you are and being able to give because the Lord has blessed you in so many ways. And And so people get into the, uh the christmas spirit by by helping the homeless or feeding the homeless and and i've seen a lot of churches and people going around and trying to get into the christmas spirit and uh there was a group of bmxers um, bicyclists that went into uh downtown la the skid row and and their christmas spirit you know this gives us the christmas spirit to be able to give to the uh those less fortunate than us god's blessed us and and we're giving out beanie caps and socks and you know, for them, that's the Christmas spirit. You know, for others, uh, you know, it would be the the holidays as far as eating and food and whatnot. You know, the Christmas spirit seems to be overshadowing, and uh, it seems to be taking over our churches and our homes. And we want to get into the Christmas spirit, but but what truly is the Christmas spirit? What is it? Uh, where is it? Where, where can we find it in Scripture? You know, when you look at the the Christmas spirit, when you look at Scripture, and we're going to look at a few. Uh, verses today. We're going to look at a few uh, just examples of how the Christmas spirit had found itself, how it materialized at the very beginning. And uh, at the very beginning, and I'm going to read if you open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 I'm going to read from verses 46 through 47. And in Luke chapter 1 There seems to be this exaltation, this magnification, this this glorification that comes out of this young woman. This young woman whose name is Mary. She's probably about 13, maybe 15 years old. And she was betrothed or engaged to be married to a man that probably already had children, is what most people believe. He already had children because... Well, we know that Jesus had brothers and sisters, and so this man must have been at least a little bit older, much older than her. But she was betrothed to Joseph because that's what they used to do, to take care of their daughters and their families, and they would betroth them. And that didn't mean that they were actually married and consummating the marriage, but she was engaged or she was proposed to him until the day that they would have the banquet. And uh, if you remember correctly, Joseph said, yeah, well, I know she's a virgin, but she's pregnant. And, uh, you know, I- I'm going to put her away. I'm going to divorce her because she belonged to him. And so she was going to, he was going to divorce her to save her from the shame because he says, we, even ha- we haven't even had the banquet yet. So there hasn't been any relations between me and her. I can't believe I still have my phone. Okay, uh, let me turn this off, please. Okay, that's a that's a quick reminder that all of you should turn your phones off. too. Hey, we all mess up. Okay, going back over again. Mary was betrothed to Joseph. And Joseph, you know, I mean, he was waiting and and he didn't have any relations to him. That's the way the Jewish customs were. And so something took place, something happened right before, uh, you know, right before all this, before jesus was born something happened to mary mary was a young woman and 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 by her prayer and by her uh just demeanor and how she was uh chosen by god to bear the son of god or god himself god himself incarnation or the incarnation how mary was chosen to be able to raise this child up but not only mary but joseph as well and Joseph, in the honor that he had and the respect and the dignity and how he was able to, he honored God. And God chose Joseph as well with his children and his trade to be able to care for and provide for Mary and her child. And And so, what God did is how He put these two together, because He knew exactly what what Jesus needed. He needed a strong man, a provider, a supporter, one of good character, moral character, one that knew the Bible, understood scripture, and Mary, a humble servant he didn 't pick a king he didn 't pick a priest he didn 't pick a pastor of that day, he picked these two humble servants and it 's so humbling sometimes to to re- we should recognize that that the humbling experience of Joseph, Joseph himself, every time you go to a play, every time that you read the Bible, you don't hear Joseph speaking. Joseph is always the guy that's kind of in the background, you know, and just doing this. And if you ever, if you're ever going to be in a Christmas play and you don't want to have any lines, pick Joseph because he has no lines. Ever. He doesn't say anything. And God says, that's the man I want for my chosen vessel, Mary, to raise this child up. Now, we don't know much about Joseph except for where he came from. And we know the lineage from him because of what the the Bible teaches us. But he was from the line of David, and so was Mary. And so they they came from two different directions, but they both come from David's lineage. And so somewhere far off, distant cousins, that they have come together to bring Jesus Christ into this world. God used them. And we do know that he was of the lineage of the priesthood as well. But we don't know, uh, we don't know much about him afterward because after they go back to Nazareth and then there's that, that quiet time and then when Joseph and Mary go up to Jerusalem that they, they take Jesus and Jesus is 12 years old and they're looking for the child. They can't find the child and Joseph thought Mary had had him because when you went up to Jerusalem, you would travel in a caravan and you would go up, literally up. To Jerusalem it's 2500 feet I think is what it was but it's way up there and 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 they would take this the family and they would all go to Jerusalem to worship and to, to share this meal of Passover then they would leave and usually the the women and the children would leave first because the men would stay behind to help clean up and do whatever it took to get Jerusalem back to its original state so Mary Thinking that Joseph had Jesus, he's twelve years old. You know, he's he's probably now going to be a boy. His bar mitzvah is coming up pretty soon, and so maybe he's there helping clean up. And Joseph thinking he's still a child, and and so he goes uh, thinking that Jesus went with Mary, and so when they finally caught up with each other, and these weren't neglectful parents, by the way. Because some people think, how how can, how can you lose the child? How can you lose Jesus? Well, there was a crowd. There was a bunch of people. And there was a lot of activity going on. And finally, the next day, when they catch up, Mary says, hey, where's Jesus? Joseph probably said, I don't know. I thought you had him. I thought you had him. And so they run back to Jerusalem and Jesus is sitting there talking to the priests. And they were amazed at his knowledge they were amazed at his wisdom they were amazed at who this young young man was and mary stands up and she says didn't you know that we were worried and jesus responds and saying woman you know he wasn't telling her off but he was basically stating the fact i need to be about my father's business and apart from that we have no other anything from joseph so somewhere along the line before in the next 15 years when Jesus started his ministry at the age of 30, Joseph is no longer in the picture. It's just Mary. And so, more than likely, Joseph died. And he served his purpose. He gave Jesus a trade. Jesus was a carpenter. He was a carpenter's son. And, and he was a very humble carpenter. And, and so, when you think about the, 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 the people behind the scenes, and how it was that Mary could even pray such a prayer that we're going to look at here in just a little bit, and what was going on behind the scenes. Because the very first Christmas, the very first Christmas, the spirit of Christmas was, well, let's go back to Luke chapter 1. And when we go to Luke chapter 1, we'll start off in verse 41 before we go into the, our 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 message right now, our portion of Scripture. But We start off in verse 41, and this is uh, starting in verse 39, actually, in your Bibles. It says, In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. Now remember, we talked about this last week, that Zechariah was told by the angel Gabriel that he was going to have a child. And he says, yeah, right, you're going to have a child. And he says, no, I'm not. How am I going to have a child? You know, my wife is old. I'm old. We don't have any children. It would be nice to have a child. And the angel says, "Because you doubted, you're not going to be able to speak until he's born." And Elizabeth became pregnant, and she was pregnant. By this time, the Holy Spirit had already visited Mary, and she was also pregnant. And she couldn't understand what was going on. She heard her cousin Mary, her relative was pregnant. Uh, excuse me, Elizabeth was pregnant. So Mary goes to go visit, and so therefore she goes in. And Mary arose, went with haste. In other words, in a hurry. I gotta, I gotta tell somebody about what's going on here because nobody's going to believe what's happened here. And, and in verse 40, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greetings of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to catch this. I want you to catch this. See, right away, she was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, understand this, that until Jesus was glorified, until Jesus Christ had actually when it ascended into heaven until pentecost when the holy spirit came down the holy spirit would only come to one individual at a certain time for a specific purpose to a specific person for a specific task the holy spirit would descend upon that person and then rise up again and the holy spirit descended upon this woman now this is key beloved because Many of the people will tell you that the Bible is filled with all kinds of chauvinistic facts and and that the Bible is has this hatred against women, that the Bible wants to put women in chains or subjugate them under their foot, put their, uh, their foot on their neck, wants to keep them down. And the Bible, it's all it talks about. But every time the Bible talks about a woman, every time the Bible speaks about a woman, like in this case, Elizabeth, he lifts them up every single time. And it's one verse, one verse that the world is focusing on is, it says, wives, submit to your husband. They throw everything out because of that one verse. And they say, well, all these other things. But here, notice this, that the Holy Spirit entered, came down upon Elizabeth. And it says here once again, and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She had John the Baptist in her womb. And John the Baptist recognized Jesus in the womb. And together they leaped and they they were excited. And she was filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, the spirit of Christmas has to deal with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the animator, the the power. He is the uh, convictor of the world of sin. He is the one that leads and guides and directs you. The Holy Spirit is the one, the comforter that Jesus Christ left behind to remind us of all these things. that have taken this portion of scripture and have elevated Mary to the point of uh, well basically god they call her the mother of god as if god was created through mary but the, but that's what they call her it's a the doctrine of, <coughs> of theotokos theotokos mother of god is not saying that jesus christ was that jesus christ was born through her for the first time but the mother of God, and not that his divinity came from Mary, because that's what they call that, the Immaculate Conception. The Immaculate Conception has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. The Immaculate Conception has to do with Mary. That Mary was immaculately conceived as well, so that she wouldn't have sin, so that she would give Jesus the divinity through her. But you see, in order for that to be true, then not only would Mary have to be immaculately conceived, well, so would ha- her mother would have to be immaculately conceived and her grandmother. And well, you know, you see where that goes. And so it's, it's elevated. See, Jesus Christ, God used a humble servant. And we're going to see this in just a bit to bring Jesus Christ into the world. And that's that's the importance of Mary in this case. That's that's her. That's her role. That's her responsibility. That's what God gave her because he knew her heart at a very young age. And so Elizabeth, she heard uh, John the Baptist, heard her voice and the baby leaped and she cried out. And what she did is she started to praise God. She was filled with the Holy Spirit and she said, you're blessed. You're blessed among all the women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb, because no one else in all creation has ever done such a thing. You are conceived. She was basically saying to Mary, I conceived the child, but it was through relations with my husband. You know, now that's a miracle. Like Abraham, uh, you know, they had a child at the age of 100. And Sarah, you know, they, they conceived the child together. But you, Mary, it's it's unheard of. But blessed is you, are you because God chose you. And you know, this, this whole thing about Mary being a virgin and having a child, the Pharisees try to use that against Jesus. Oh yeah. Well, you know, we know who our father is and you don't even know who your father is in a sense, kind of like throwing stones at Mary. You know, yeah. Oh yeah. Sure. You were conceived by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We know how that goes. And, and so there's always been this doubt of the virgin birth. But if you go back, and we've done this already, if you go back to the Old Testament and you see that the virgin will be with child. She will have a child. And this is the fulfillment of the Christ. Nobody knew who that Christ was going to be, but here Jesus Christ is coming to us through Mary herself. And the very first thing that happens is that true, the true spirit of Christmas is worship. Just like, just like she did here, Elizabeth. Look at verses sixty-seven and through sixty-nine in chapter one. This is Zechariah, when Zechariah finally, you know, saw that he his his son was born, and his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit. Look at this once again, prophesying, saying, "Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He has visited and redeemed His people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant." David let me stop there for just a moment and kind of give you an idea what this horn of salvation is it is used in the old testament quite a bit and a lot of people think it's a trumpet you know like that, that kind of horn some people know that it's a horn they're horns of a bull but you know you you wonder, how is that significant to salvation? Well, the horn, it was used for defense. The horn, horn was used for attacking. The horn was used to stabilize and to keep protected that one thing that that animal was trying to protect, his life, his child, or, or the, the baby, or whatever the case may be. And so when it's used in the Old Testament... As it is here in the New Testament, the horn of salvation is the strength it signified strength it signified power it signified stability it signified that it was this is true you you, you don't go up against a horn of a bull or a horn of an animal because it will gorge you and it will tear you apart you don 't go against you don 't go against god 's salvation amen Jesus Christ came to save sinners just like you and me and you know this salvation when I said earlier in my prayer this salvation that Jesus Christ was born to give those that are his. Jesus Christ came to give you salvation, and nobody can take that away from you because of the horn, the strength, the stability, the power of that salvation. You are saved, and you are saved, and you will not lose that salvation because of the saving power and the strength of Jesus Christ. It is an amazing grace. It is an amazing strength, and Jesus Christ himself is going to hold it together. And so when we hear about the horn of our of our salvation or the horn of salvation, we we know that salvation is is true. Salvation, and what are we being saved from? What are we being saved from? We're being saved. Our sins are taken away, that's right. Our sins are are no longer there. And and our sin was causing us to be God's wrath, the, the objects of God's wrath. Our sin causes us. To be shunned by God hates sin. You've heard that expression, uh, you know, hate the sin, but love the sinner. You know, it's cute and all. And it's, you know, you should love the sinner. You know, please, because I'm a sinner. <laughs> love me. You should love the sinner. But it's the sinner that gets cast into hell along with the sin because sin god cannot see sin he cannot view sin he hates sin and it it it, it he's going to abolish sin he's going to rid this world of sin and his wrath is being displayed right now on the sinner that is holding on to that sin and our salvation we're being saved from god you think about this Wait a minute. How, how are we being saved from God? Well, because I'm a sinner, and unless you have applied the grace and the and, and unless the grace of Jesus Christ and and the blood of Christ has been applied to your life, and you've acknowledged that and recognized that, and now are moving toward God, and we'll talk some more about this in a little bit, then then salvation is yours. Unless that has happened, you are still under the divine wrath of God, and if He returns. If Jesus Christ returns and you're still under that divine wrath of God, you stay behind. And if you die with with that divine wrath on your life, without the blood of Christ, you're cast into hell for all eternity. You are being saved. If you're saved, you're saved from God's divine wrath. And this is what this is what Zechariah was trying to get across. He says, His people, he says, for he has visited and redeemed his people. And has raised up a horn, a strength, a power, a staying power of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. Let's look at Luke chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. Once again, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he started praising God. See the spirit of Christmas is worship in Luke 2, 13 through 14. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Once again... The spirit of Christmas, worship. The first Christmas, worship. The Holy Spirit, worship. It leads you to worship. It brings you to worship. It causes you to worship. A little side note on this here too. I know that we sing uh, peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners are reconciled. God and sinners are reconciled. But people think and believe that Jesus Christ came to bring peace on earth. And we get that from this verse here. And we sing that song over and over again. Peace on earth, peace on earth. We see it on billboards. We see it in front of houses. Peace on earth on Christmas cards. Peace on earth. But what does it say there? Glory to God in the highest. Okay? And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. He's not pleased with everyone. We go back to our sin we go back to the sinner we go back to the person that is involved in sin he's not he's not pleased in that i've had people come to me you know and they say you know pastor we we want you to bless our 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 union well what's going on this is well we're thinking about getting married well you know you guys are living in sin well yeah i know but you know how is god going to bless that how can god bless you living in sin well, he knows I love her. He knows my heart. Yeah, he knows your heart. And you know that Jeremiah says that your heart is deceitful and wicked and beyond cure? Well, he knows my intentions. Yeah, your mind, your intentions are, are all evil against God. It's what the Bible teaches. You know, we are our minds are hostile to God. We need a Savior. You need a Savior. We need to get our life correct. You see, God is not going to bless sin. But he knows my heart. Yes, he knows it. More than anybody else. And and when we, when we look at this and we say, okay, well, peace on earth. Or, okay, peace among those with whom he is pleased. I thought he came to bring peace on earth. Jesus Christ himself said, I did not come to bring peace. I came to bring division. Father against son, mother against daughter, mother against daughter-in-law. I came to divide. And you know this very well already. Some of you that have been living... The, the, the gospel truth and the gospel life, you know that if you're walking the gospel truth, the gospel life, the good news, and you're sharing it with people that, that are in the bad news, hey, look, here's the bad news. You're going to go to hell if you don't repent. Then all of a sudden there's this division. There's this division between you know those that want to be saved and those that are saved and, and those that just don't care. A Christian does not feel comfortable in this world, should not. And there is no peace on this earth. As we know, there's a war almost all the time breaking out. There is no peace in the, this country. I mean, political uh, unrest all over the place. There is no peace in, in our state. There is no peace in our city. There is no peace in our neighborhoods. Well, what happened here? I thought, Jesus, I thought the song said Jesus came to bring peace on earth. No, he came to bring peace upon whom his favor rests. You want God's favor? Well, that's for another message. But bottom line... You got to be, number one, paid for, bought, redeemed, reborn because of Jesus Christ. And that's when the Holy Spirit enters you. See, once let's go back before I got a little bit too far in myself. No, uh, verse 229. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people. A light for revelation to the Gentiles. And in chapter 2 verse 29, what uh, what Luke is, is talking is referring to is the uh, presentation of Jesus at the temple. And uh, what happened here in verse 22, And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Let me read that again. Every male who first opens the womb. In other words, every firstborn male. Every firstborn male. Who opens the womb shall be called holy, set apart. Not perfect, set apart to the Lord. There is a specific task for that child. If you're the firstborn, you you have a specific task that God has set you aside for. If you're the firstborn son. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Not like the song says, two turtle doves and a... Okay. Now, now in verse 25, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Once again, the Holy Spirit descended upon this man. This is still Old Testament. This is still, you know, the prophets. This is still, you know, before the ascension of Jesus Christ and the descension or the coming down of the Holy Spirit that now fills those that are His, the redeemed. Back then, the Holy Spirit came down to a specific purpose at a specific time to accomplish a specific task. And, and, and this is what the Holy Spirit came down and, and infused Him and empowered Him and animated Him to give praise and worship to God. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. He didn't know who that was going to be. He was going to see the Lord's Christ. Now people say, well, that's Jesus. Well, yeah, we know that's Jesus in hindsight. But back then, they didn't know it was going to be Jesus. They didn't know who the person was going to be. They thought he was going to be a mighty warrior on a white horse conquering all of Rome. You know, setting up a kingdom so that they can come and worship together, and they can be freed from all this, um, you know, politics, and and that's what they were looking for when Jesus showed up. That's just, that's not the Christ. Christ is his title, the Anointed One. Like in the Old Testament, it was Messiah. They were looking forward to the Messiah or the Christ, the Anointed One. And in the New Testament, they would ask John the Baptist, "Are, are you the Christ? Not Jesus Christ, but are you the Anointed One that we're supposed to be waiting for?" simeon it was revealed to him he says the bible says that he was going to see the christ before he died here he is old and he's wondering when this is going to happen he promised he was promised that this was going to happen and here he jesus comes in joseph and mary they bring the bible they bring the the child and they're getting ready to dedicate him to the lord and he sees this child he looks at joseph and mary didn't ask for no credentials didn't ask, you know, where you guys are from. Didn't ask for anything. All he had to see was to hold the Christ in his hands. And the Holy Spirit revealed to him this is the consolation of Israel, this is the Savior of the world. And he gives his praise and he gives his song uh, in verse. In verse 29, it says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. And you notice how this, this verse is indented and how it's different than all the other words that are on there. This is a song, a praise, a worship, a time of being able to recognize Jesus Christ or God himself. Let me move on because I'm trying to, trying to get to this, to where we need to be at on the back of the page. And, and, we talked about this last week, so I'm not going to talk too much about this. But the wise men, the wise men, they were coming in from the Orient, the East. They were coming in from, I don't know, somewhere in Persia, Babylonia, in that area. And, and prior, to, prior to Jesus' birth, about five, six hundred years before Jesus was born, the, the place of Jerusalem and all the people there were, were captured, they were enslaved, and they were taken out to Jerusalem. The temple was destroyed, and the people were so sad and angry and mad, and, and you know, they were just lamenting the fact that, okay, God's not with us anymore because they believe that God was only in the temple. Kind of like some people believe that they can only see God if they come to church, to the church building. And when they were in Babylonia, they 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 got all the smart people and all the wise men and all the young men, the strong men. They left all the old people behind. know, if they would come and conquer us right now, maybe you and I would be left behind because you guys are too too old and you guys can't work. We need the young kids and anyone from 20 to 40. And everybody else was left behind. And all those that were just sickly and they took all these wise young men. Daniel was one of them. And Daniel was, became part of the, the magi or the, the wise people of that, that time. And he taught a lot of the wise men. He raised them up. They had, they had schools that they would teach them and, and he would teach them things about Jehovah God. This is the God that you ought to worship. And remember he wouldn't worship no other god he was thrown into the lion's den and Shadrach Meshach and Abednego they were thro- thrown into a fire because they wouldn't worship another god they held firm to their faith and they held firm to who God was and they taught the people that one day a messiah would come and this is how you would recognize him in their prophetic writings they wrote about this star that was going to rise up in the east they rose they 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 they, uh, they wrote about um, the, the prophets wrote about how he was going to be born in Bethlehem. And, and so all these writings were there. And these wise men, I asked the question last week, how many wise men were there? Don't say three. <laughs> we know good, thank you. Okay, you were paying attention. <laughs> we don't know. We know that there's gold, frankincense, myrrh. Yeah, what was the other one? Mole? No, it wasn't mole. Tamales? No, it was uh, it was a treasure like that. And we know that that's what they brought. You know, it couldn't have been just three. These guys have a lot of money, have a lot of things. They got a caravan going. And so here comes this caravan into town, and they go into Jerusalem, and they go, hey, where's the king of the, where's the, king of the Jews? Now, Herod, remember, I told you about this, he was a wicked, evil king. He hated that thought that he thought was going to take his seat. He was threatened, and he would execute people. He executed his children. He executed his wife because his wife was trying to bring up their son, and he thought that he was going to be the next in line. As a matter of fact, they came to they came to him, and they says, "Hey, uh, where's the king of the Jews? Where, where's he born?" He goes, "Well, I, the king of the Jews. Aren't they? Hold on, wait a minute here." And he goes, he goes over to the, the 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 Pharisees and the people of that day. Hey, where's this king of the Jews supposed to be born? And they knew. They knew that there was supposed to be a star. They knew that the star was up. They knew that he was to be born in Bethlehem. And so they tell Herod, this is where he's going to be born. Okay, take he's going to be born in Bethlehem. Go and find him. And when you find him, bring word of him. You know, I want to know where he's going. I too want to worship him. And we know that that's not what he wanted to do. He wanted to execute him. And if you remember correctly, the wise men came and they worshiped him. Not by giving gifts. I mean, that was part of it. But they worshipped him. Herod, uh, excuse me, the wise men were told about Herod in a dream that Herod wanted to kill this child, so they took off a different direction. They never went back. They never went back to Herod, and Herod was mad. and He ordered all the children from two years old down to be executed. All the male children. So we know that the wise men came not to the manger specifically, more than likely, he was at least two years old, if not older. But we don't we don't know the whole, you know, how that all took place. But we know that there was a star in the east. We know that it was prophesied. We know that Bethlehem was the place. And they came, and they came. Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born, the king of the Jews? For we saw a star, and it rose, and we have come to worship him. See, the spirit of Christmas is worship. The spirit of Christmas is worship. Always has been. And when we don't get that for Christmas, when we don't understand that about Christmas, we lose everything about what is uh, what happens. We lose it all. We lose the fact that, that what God wants to do is He wants to be worshipped. God wants to be loved. What is worship? Well, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. In Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews is right after... Um, uh, you know timothy titus timothy thessalonians it's, it's not too far away from where we've been at in um in colossians but i'm going to read this very quickly out of hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 and uh um, maybe we'll get it's it's one of the verses is in your outline and i'll read that one as well but i need i need for you to see this because it says here in verse 19 therefore brothers since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that it that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, and this is worship. Worship is when you draw near to God. Worship happens when you draw near to God with a true heart. Worship is when you draw near to God with a true heart in full confidence of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience see worship only comes through this ability you draw near you're 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 wanting to be near worship only happens when you're coming close to god and and you can't come close to god if the holy spirit ain't bringing you to god remember we 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 were making that point that unless you have the holy spirit and the only way you can get the holy spirit is if you're saved See, the Holy Spirit is not going to enter a dirty vessel. God redeems you, makes you new, and he, and he causes you to draw near to Him. And your desire to be close to God, know God, feel God, and sense God, and, and, and just to know more about Him is an indication that God, is, God has redeemed you. And for, for you not to want to have anything to do with God, or anything to do with this church, or anything to do with His people, for that matter, yeah, I love God, but I hate the people of the church. You know, to 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 live up in to live up above with the saints that I love, oh, that would be glory. But to live here below with the saints that I know, uh, that's a different story. You know, that's what people say. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like those guys. You know, I just, it's kind of like you coming up to me and says, you know, Pastor, I really love you, man. I I like you. I love you a lot, and you've you've expressed that to me a lot. You know, but I really don't like your wife. <laughs> How would that make me feel? I don't like your wife. You see, the church is the bride of Christ. You are the bride of Christ. And the marriage supper is going to take place when he returns. Now, how can you say you love God, you love Jesus, but you hate the people within the church? You know, part of it is our fault. Part of it is my fault our hypocritical stance in what we say and what we believe. We say worship is this. We say worship is that. I'm going to worship. We're going to worship first and then we're going to have a message. We're going to do some praise and worship and, and, you know, worship, beloved. Here's the definition for worship. And it's right here. Uh, well, let me let me go over this here real quick, and then let, let me sum it up for you. There, there's a sincere uh, draw that we come, draw closer to God in our heart, and it's faithful, it's full of assurance of faith, and because you know that God exists, and you come to Him in faith, and you worship God because He's there. You may not see Him, you know, just like the air, you don't see it, but you believe it, that it's there. You take a deep breath in, you take a deep breath out. You sense God, you feel God, you know, because the Word of God tells you. Not because you feel it. It's not a feeling. It's not a feeling where you, you feel all goosebumps. Oh, that made me feel good. You know, a lot of people are getting this Christmas spirit by giving their gifts, and they're giving gifts to their children. Oh, it just makes me feel really good. I feel it's all warm and cozy inside. Oh, this is the Christmas spirit. You know, I spent like $7,000 on one child. You know, another seven, I'm not going to tell you which one. Uh, another, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, you know, I, I spent all this money, you know, and it, and it was worth it, is what you say. And people say, you know, it was worth it, until January first comes in and you see the bill. Oh my God! How much did I spend on that credit card? And it's, it makes pe- it makes people feel good, but it's not a feeling because if you know, you wait for the the bill to come in, you're gonna. It's that feeling just turns upside down. And all he did was play with the box. See, it's a it's. It's faithful, it's humbling, having hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, knowing that our sins have been washed away. And because of that sin that kept me away from God and has now allowed me to enter boldly to the throne of grace, as the Hebrew writer would say. And I can enter boldly because of the sin that has been sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. And it is humbling. Sometimes I stand there in the middle of the night, just looking up in the sky and thinking, "Lord, why me? Why? You know, if You only knew my past. And I know some of your guys's past. And I think, why? Why me? You know, some of you guys are a lot way off better than I was. And, and why me? And, and that is humbling. It's humbling having your and also a pure life with bodies washed with pure water. As a result of such worship, God will be glorified. See, worship is this. Worship is praising Him for who He is and for what He's done. Worship is not the music that we sing. I mean, it involves the music, because in our songs, we want to worship Him with song because of who He is and what He does. This is why we won't use songs of, of of me, you know. Oh, Holy Spirit, fill me, guide me, love me, make me feel good. Oh, I just want to touch you. I want to see you. You know, we don't sing songs like that because they're very self centered. I need you. I want you. Oh, you know, the, the lover of my soul. Which those words are good, but we we want to recognize genuine worship is recognizing God for who He is and for what He's done. Now, there are a lot of songs out there. Somebody asked me the other day, what Christian radio station do you listen to? I go, I don't. I mean, a lot of those sappy love songs, you just take the word Jesus out and put a girl's name in there, it's the same thing. You know, some of the songs, sometimes I wonder, who changed my station? Oh, wait a minute, that's the Christian radio station. Now, I know that people have gotten progressive and they're trying to reach people, but if you're not reaching people with the word of God, I don't know who you're reaching. If you're not using the Word of God to reach people, you don't have to get clever. You don't have to make it relevant. You don't have to make it acceptable. You know, you just use the Word of God. But people are looking for feel good. They're looking for feel good. And you know what? Today, I just don't feel good. So I'm not going to church. And today, you know, he he didn't make me feel good. So I ain't going back there again. You know, I just didn't quite feel the message today. I don't care what you felt like. I really don't. Please don't get me wrong. What I care about is your soul and your spirit. I care about what God is doing in your life. See, Mary, here's a true worshiper. Mary, and this is the Christmas worshiper. Mary, she teaches us how to worship. She, she does. On the backyard alley. number one, first of all, worship is internal. Worship is internal. She says, My soul. It's, it's inside it. I can feel it inside my, you know, for, for the Jewish person, for the Hebrews, they didn't have this cognitive thinking of what, how to describe what they were going through. You know, my heart is pumping. You know, they, they didn't understand how all of that worked. They didn't understand how the, the blood vessels carry the, the, the blood cells, white and, and red blood cells all through your body. The, the white blood cells to fight off infections and blood, the red blood cells, they're, they're shaped, you know, kind of like a lifesaver with the hemoglobin uh, of oxygen. On, on top of the uh, the blood cell, it carries the oxygen through your body and, and it kind of it feeds your body and it feeds your vein, your capillaries and your skin and your organs and it cleanses you. And so one of the first things that doctors do is that as they look at you, they see your color, hey, you're jaundice, you're yellow, there's something going on, your blood is not circulating right. It could be your liver, it could be your kidneys, we need to take some tests. They ask you to open your mouth and they look inside, whoa, there's something not right there, your blood is not working right. We got to check it out maybe it's maybe you're turning blue you're not getting enough oxygen and so they didn't understand that what they what they understood is what they sensed and, and and they would talk about two organs in their body the heart and the bowels okay now I know this sounds kind of yeah you know but the bowels had more to do with everything else inside of you the bowels were more like you know when you get real nervous or you get scared, and all of a sudden your stomach just kind of go. you know, you get the butterflies, you get the cramps, oh man, you know, because of how your body is reacting, that is what the Hebrew people would say, it's the bowels, that's where everything comes from, my soul, that, that's what they were referring to, they weren't referring to the heart, the heart was more the mind, for them, it was what the heart was causing you to think, that's why it says, be careful how you think, because it causes the patterns of your life, and so for the Hebrew people, these two organs were not the way we do it. Us, for us, it's, well, my heart says, you know, and I feel and I sense. And and for the Jewish people say, well, it's your bowels. It's the inside of your body. And it causes you to cramp up. It causes you this consternation. It causes you to, oh, you know, to get kind of tightened up. And, and it causes all kinds of other problems in your life. It's internal. When Mary says, my soul, it's just like right here. It's just coming out. And, you know, I just, my soul, you know, it's internal she says it magnifies the lord number two it magnifies the lord magnify comes from the word megaluneo megaluneo is for the first word is what we use in english mega as uh, like big you know when you order mega fries you know you're gonna get a bunch of fries you know and it's big it's always big and for and it, and but in the greek it means not only just big but it, it starts small and it just amplifies it crescendos kind of like the handles Messiah hallelujah, hallelujah 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 and it just crescendos out of you and uh, and that's how Mary was feeling inside of her soul and it magnified in God Almighty yes what are you doing in my life that's worship when you do it because it, it intensifies and it grows within you not because of the music but because this is who you are you live this. You work this. You, you're constantly doing this within your life. And this is why, uh, number three, it's intentional. Worship is intentional. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices. I do this habitually all the time. I'm always, my soul is constantly uh, rejoicing. My spirit rejoices. It's within me. It's my way of life. I think about God. I pray about God. I, I read his word. I want to know him even more. So worship. You talk about the first Christmas. The spirit of Christmas is worship. Beloved, not the music, not the music. You see, these churches that supposedly have closed, I don't, I don't know of any, to be honest with you. I, not that I went looking around, but I heard this. They're they're focusing on the wrong thing. They're focusing on the day. Amos I, Isaiah number one says, you know, I, I hate my people. Isaiah says, you know, God says this to Isaiah, I hate my people. They worship me with their lips, but their spirit is far from me. They do this on the outside. Amos Amos was uh, you know he was even harder. You, you know you 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 come to me and you 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 honor me with these holidays. He says you honor me with these holidays and. and I mean, I I detest your festivals. God could have just as well said, I detest your Christmas. You've taken one day and you've focused it all on you. I detest that, God says. I don't want your gifts. I want you. And Mary here, the first Christmas, she is visited by God, the Holy Spirit. She's carrying this child and her soul magnifies the Lord and exalts and, and and it, and it grows and it gets larger and she rejoices. It's intentional. It's internal. It's intense. It's, it's, it's that type of a, that, that, that worship that only comes from knowing who God is. You see, Herod wanted, said, I, I want to worship Jesus. There are a lot of people that come to our churches that, I want to worship Jesus. You know, I want to feel good. I want to be able to, you know, say that I came, that I did my part. God doesn't like that kind of worship. As a matter of fact, the only people that can actually worship are genuine believers. Only a genuine believer can worship. Otherwise, you're just like a herod, just want to get rid of the time, just pass the time and but only a genuine worshiper is saved. Because without being saved, without being reborn, without being regenerated, you have no Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not going to enter an unregenerated body or person or spirit. And so there's nothing intentional. There's nothing, nothing intense. There's nothing internal for a person that is not saved. And so this is why we have all our Christmas dramas and Christmas plays and Christmas movies. Most, most of all the popular Christmas movies have to do with Santa Claus, Jesus, I'm, excuse me, reindeer, you know, families, you know, of things that feel good type of thing. Very few have to do with Jesus Christ. You know, it, and the last thing I want to share with you is worship. It, it initiates, it starts from the heart. It starts from a humble heart. It's this attitude of humility, recognizing Mary says, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. She was just a young lady. But you know what? She knew. She knew that God had visited her. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. And if we don't do this from a humble heart, if you can't worship from a humble heart, and you can't unless the Holy Spirit is prompting you, it it doesn't come out as worship. God knows it. He knows your heart. He knows where you're at. You, you see, the spirit—the spirit of Christmas, the spirit of Christmas, as as every Sunday should be, is an attitude of worship. But it, it started We we have this in writing that that's how it started, initiated, and how in the world they got to where it's at now. That most people don't even recognize. They they, they know it's Jesus's birthday, but they don't understand the significance behind it. Beloved, in this time of worship, and it's not because, you know, you feel good. As a matter of fact, the time that you should worship the most is when you don't feel good. Worship just, you know, it comes from, it's intentional, it's intense, it's internal, and it initiates from a humble heart, especially when things are not going your way. Especially when you're do- going through your darkest days that beloved is worship it's not something that you can just muster up and make up and make make it happen it's not the music that you listen to it's a lifestyle that you live and as we go through this the next week we're going to go go back to uh, colossians as we go back to colossians chapter two i want to share with you more about who Jesus Christ is. We, I have been talking to you about Christology. And Christology is the study of Christ. And you already know most Christology. Most Christology and, and most of it that I've been teaching you. And you need to understand this. Is that number one. Jesus Christ is sufficient. You don't need anything else for salvation. Once you're saved, you're saved. He is sufficient. And number two, He is God. Actually number one, He is God. And He has saved you. He is sufficient. And when we go through the book of Colossians. That's what Paul is trying to get across. We talked about how he was the firstborn and this the image of God and we'll continue with that. Let me ask you to stand. Can you worship with me like that? Amen? Can you worship like that? Can it be can it come out from inside be internal? can it be intense? not just the music but your life Can it be intentional, habitual? Where you're doing it on a regular basis, every day, every day, where it's just, it just flows out of you. The moment Mary heard the news, it just, you know, it just flowed out of her. She knew the Bible. She knew what was being taught to her. It just came up. She didn't have to go to a a pastor or a priest. It just flowed out of her because she had a humble heart. Father, I pray that as we start this next year, that we start with this attitude of worship. That we start with this attitude of of worship coming from inside, and the Holy Spirit just leading us to do so, to giving us the, uh, the 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 power and the uh, the ability to connect with you on a very intimate and intense manner. And Lord, it needs to be intense. It needs to be personal. It needs to be uh, to the point where we we just focus on you, Lord, and only you. And we thank you, Father, for for causing it to be habitual for us, not only on Sunday mornings but every day of the week. Sunday is the day that we gather together to encourage one another and to and to lift each other up. And I thank you for that that what you give us here as a church body. And for those that aren't here we do miss them, Lord, and and we pray for them and we pray that you just give them the same desire. And Father, we just thank you for how, how you humble us. And how we look at ourselves and we recognize that that we don't we're, we're not deserving. We don't deserve what you've given us. But that is the exact definition of grace. Receiving what we don't deserve. And that, my Lord, is the ultimate gift. And we thank you for that. Father, I pray for this next week as we prepare for Sunday, for the traveling mercies that some of us will be going up north. I pray, Father, that you watch over us, give us words, keep us healthy, give us words of encouragement to a family that has lost a loved one. I pray, Father, that you just continue to to just lead us and guide us and uh, as we celebrate the rest of this day with our friends and family or maybe just sitting at home remembering who you are and thanking you for who you are. So, Lord, uh, once again, we come before you to bow down before you and to honor you and to worship you. We love you, Lord, and pray. In Jesus' name, and everyone is saying, Amen and Amen. All right, may the Lord be with you. All right.